0: Do okay. so I,
1: don't, I don't know what, what mean. i think so they to they are just right
0: He was right. Whatever Joe's. are made you know, when I
1: Everybody. Welcome back to church. And uh well, somebody likes us. Okay, Siri's even ha- series even excited for worship. How about that? So um we're just gonna open with prayer and then we'll get started with some music and praising the Lord. So, dear God, we come to you today and we're just so thankful for you. Um, Lord, it is hot, um, and it is summer, and yet we're still dealing with so much craziness in the world, and we know that God, you um you are not surprised by any of this. Um, You know what's going on, and um, help us to remember that old song, he's got the whole world in his hands, and God let us know and have confidence that you are in control. As we uh, set everything aside, we're thankful for this air-conditioned working today. We are thankful that we can be together, and just praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. All right, let's stand up, and let's
0: worship the Lord. For your God Come One day every tongue will confess you are God One day every knee will bow Still the greatest treasure remains for those Who gladly choose you now You wow. are You are before your God. Oh. One day every tongue will confess you are God One day every knee will bow Still the greatest treasure remains for those Who gladly choose you now You are to worship, come just as you are. my refuge you are my strength as i pour out my heart these things i remember you are faithful god River that flows from Calvary Street a fountain for the thirsty, and your grace that washes over me let faith arise. you are my strength As I pour out my heart these things I'll remember
1: We just thank you that um, in our world that we need your faith to arise, Um, and we just need it to pour out um, in our lives, in our world, and in our hearts. And so, God, uh, whatever anybody has brought to the table, because we've all got, we've all had baggage for a long time, and God, it's just a lot more. Um, and so we just pray that right now you take that and let our faith arise. And then we have an incredible love, that deep love that we have for you, God, that is deeper than the sea um, and that you have for us. That it, um, no matter what we're going through, we will call these things to remember that you are faithful. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Get there. All right. So we're going to start with some of our prayer requests because I always like to begin um, with our prayer requests because we have uh, several of them, Um, and then we'll go into our announcements. And then um, you'll give me about 40 minutes of your time or so, and then we'll um, or so. Um, And uh, you came. So good deal. Other people can shut me off. You can't. You're stuck with me. Um, thank you, Ron. Um, so we want to go ahead and begin to, um, to look at some of these prayer requests that we have here. Um, here's a, uh, we have a couple, uh, and then what we're going to do is before we start praying, once again, we are still in the midst of our Unite 714 prayer where we're asking people, um, we're asking them to pray 714 in the morning, 714 at night as part of Unite, um, Unite 714 prayer. And um, you can learn more about that. At unite714.com. Or, um, and we're actually going to use some of that verse today as, as well. So let's look at some of our, our prayer requests that we have here. Um, Holly Kip asked for a prayer for a co worker who's battling cancer and for things to get better. Um, uh, Judah, my son. Oh, man, Ron, you were just pulling him out of the hat. Here we go. Um, Ron's going to get his workout today with his mask on. Um, my son, Judah, put this uh, um, last week. Um, or the other week, for his eyesight to get better. Um, he's got, he, and he gets good glasses, so he just got glasses, so he's all happy about that. Um, we bought two pairs of them, so I don't know how happy I am, but hey, it works. So. Um, and um, so we have some other prayers requests here. Rebecca Stecker, prayers for her, um, her mother's husband, Sam Pearson, who passed away. The other day, so pray for the entire family. Uh, Rig and Sarah, um, where are you? There you are. Um, you're in the other spot. Um, we don't know where anybody sits today with uh, with uh, with it out here. But Sarah Flower, who was eight, who was 83 years old, was admitted to the hospital in Kent in General, um, and so she's on a, for diverticulitis. And she is now doing really well from what we heard, so we're excited um, that she's doing that. And said thanks for all the prayers and that God is working through this diet. Um, we also want to say prayers for the family of Dennis Haley. Dennis passed away Monday. Sunday and for um, Cindy, his wife, and Angie and Jessica, Jessica, your dad was a great guy, and I know um, for all the grandchildren, I know you loved him and extended family, and he he fought a battle, that's for sure, and we. Um we love him, and uh, the Emmaus community lost a, a, good, a good man as well, so we just love him, but heaven gained somebody who's really awesome, so we want to continue to lift them in your prayers as well, and prayers for our country, we want to go ahead and continue to do that. And I ask you right now to be praying for this message today, I've been doing a lot of wrestling with this, so you're going to get a lot of me, um, you're going to get a lot of my heart, which isn't which is like everybody else, which isn't quite still right now, okay? So, um, but you, you guys will be good with that, right? So just be praying for me in advance with that. So we're thankful for all kinds of prayers. And you got anybody's birthdays and other things, we want to lift them up as well. So let's, let's pray. First, we're going to start with our scripture lesson. And don't think that it's Christmas time and we've been doing this this long. Because our first uh, scripture um, from Unite you know, 714 this week is Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Philippians chapter 4. Also says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You have learned and received and have heard and have seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. From Philippians chapter 4. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today, and we lift up the names of Sam Pearson. We lift up the family of Dennis Haley um, for... uh, Janet Flower, who is doing well, for uh, Judah. We, ask, we thank you for glasses and for everything else there, for the co-worker of Holly, and for all other unspoken prayers that we have going on here. We lift them up to you, and some may even have them right now, be typing them on Facebook Live, or may be sending them in our prayer request. And so, Lord, we live in a world shaken by continuous waves of crisis, medical, economic, and social. These wave of crisis have spawned Another calamity, a mental health crisis is wreaking havoc in the lives of countless millions. With depression and anxiety on the rise and running rampant, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace. Millions of hurting people around the world now turn to you in repentance and faith. God, help them find the peace that only you can give. Today, your people choose to worship instead of worry. We know you are are the answer to every anxiety in our souls. So, Lord, meet our needs with your provision, banish our feels, our fear. Excuse me, with your presence, guard our hearts from the harmful effects of stress as we lift our hands to believe again in praise and prayer. And Heavenly Father, we come before you in that prayer and praise and ask that you protect our hearts from stress and fill us with the peace that is beyond all understanding. For Lord God. The governments of our nations are searching for solutions amid this crippling pandemic. strengthening and protecting the government officials, scientists, medical professionals, and first responders battling COVID-19. May they turn to you for wisdom and strength that only you provide. And ultimately, our hope is not in them, but rests solely in you. The true government of the world is on your shoulders. And even as you have mitigated the effects of COVID-19 in many nations around the world, you also have the power to eradicate it completely. So hear our prayer as Heavenly Father, we boldly come before your throne, asking for you to eradicate COVID-19 and pour out your spirit on all the peoples of the world. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And we say, Amen and Amen. All right. Boy, won't you be glad when we don't have a COVID prayer? Man, I tell you... we, it's good that we have a Christmas verse, because I think we might be getting some hope probably about, about Chris, uh, Christmas time. But anyway, so um, I don't want to touch on a couple announcements. Again, if you're not connected, email or text, it's a great way that we get information out. Many of you know on Saturday, we also give you the updated prayer list that has come in, and you also receive an, an announcement list, um, and you can get the bulletin and other things there. So get connected, whether text and or email, please go ahead and, and do that. That way we get information out. Um, Again, Unite 714, we are updating those all the time. They are on our website, uh, havencc.org. You can pull those off as well. Um, Coming up uh, on the 20th, which is actually tomorrow. Can you believe? July 20th. Um, And I was having a discussion with someone. This kind of amped up about March 12th. So we've been doing this for a while. Um, But... on um, march 20 excuse me july sorry july 20th at six thirty pm they um our, our stephen ministry our grief share will be going ahead and um it's open to anybody who wants to participate um, in uh, the loss of, of a loved one. Is the program that they're doing? Um, usually, we would have that here. Social distancing has made that very complicated. As um, you guys have heard, I'm not even going to go there. But um, so, when you lose someone, your life has changed forever, and the daily emotions and challenges they just seem very hard to bear. It doesn't seem like it seems like you're about ready. To, you want to wake up from the nightmare. So, how do you work through the grief normally? But how do you work through it? in this pandemic where you see people at funerals as i mentioned last week my um my brother-in-law's one of his best friends uh jason rush suddenly passed away it would have been his 38th birthday yesterday okay um at a, at a uh, service forum, but how do you hug people? How do you, love? how do you receive those healing things, particularly in a pandemic? Grief share experts are offering that insight, and, and our team is ready to help with that. So if you're interested, it's not locking you into anything. You might just want to connect and say, okay, so that will be tomorrow at 630. Um, you can find information again on our, um, on our website, um, or you can send something to info info uh, like information at havencc.org and we've had we've had individuals of all ages um, I think probably the youngest was probably 12 um, and all the way up to uh, eight in their 80s it is a, a, an excellent and everybody who has taken part has said how much it helped them in healing so if you're interested in that please go ahead and connect there and then also Parish Foundation is today um, and I don't know where we are with that um, but we also we're still collecting blankets correct Marge Okay, so blankets for, um, for, for uh, the homeless and Paris Foundation, etc. So if you want, would like to bring those in, please go ahead and do... Fifteen? Sixteen? Okay. Okay, some teen more. I can't hear because I'm asked, but we need, we need some teen. It could be 20 teen. I don't care. Go ahead. Okay, what time? Four, okay. So what, what we hear um, is that the people signed up to, for 100 meals to feed tonight. Um, if you forgot it or you're not here today, you can drop that off at the Paris Foundation at four o'clock. Okay, so, so we can go there. All right, everybody good? All right, so today I want to start with something. Something that was done most of my childhood and in several areas. I pledge allegiance to the flag the United States of America. What is it? To the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice. Indivisible? Indivisible. Indivisible. As, this is, this is going to, this is, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make some mistakes in this message today. Because... In a lot of areas, I don't know what I'm dealing with in this world. In our country, for years, we've been saying indivisible. And as I look around in a pandemic and in all kinds of other things, which we're going to talk about, let's look at what's happened. Because we have a growing awareness of a problem with division to the utmost nature that I've never seen in my entire life. I wasn't around in the 60s. I just missed it. But I also know that some of you, Matt, comes to mind, and even more so. Let's recap 2020 so far. You're missing 2019, aren't you, already? By early to mid-March of this year, and this is obvious, but most places in the world were closed, shut down for the COVID-19 global pandemic. Some people lost loved ones. Others lost jobs, income, businesses, and we all lost a sense of normalcy. That we once hated, and now we just dream about once again. I remember sitting at home during the during the full quarantine, saying, "I just want to eat in a restaurant." You know what I mean. Um, many, but many crises over history have a unifying effect. Some of you are old enough to remember 9/11, and when the twin towers went down, American patriotism surged. And I remember. Our leaders standing out and say, there's no Republican or Democrat. We are all Americans. seemed like that went by the wayside. Yet COVID-19 has seemed to have an opposite effect. It's not uniting, it's polarizing. It feels like we're a nation divided between those who are really serious and are, and are claiming to be wise. But they say, but shutting down the economy might be worse. And then there's the other ones who are irresponsible and reckless and open. And we say, don't be stupid. You're keeping that virus spreading. Like, remember when you used to get, in February, I got on a plane coming back, and I had an Asian couple sit next to me, and they put mask on, I was like, now, if somebody came and sat next to me without a mask, I'd go, my, how things have changed in four months. Okay? So that's what we've, we've seen change. Um, the example even trickles to church, that we felt the division about what to do with meeting with church. We have some people say the church should never be closed. That's lacking faith. We have others who yell at you for opening, say, "Do you really need to open the church? You're risking lives." And just when we think things couldn't get worse, we came to know the names of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and George Floyd, and it brought attention to an ongoing problem of racism that has been in our country for far too long. But that didn't stop there. Then we had protests and many trickled very quickly into riots. Others in all areas of politics and ideologies began to hijack peaceful causes of awareness to use for their own destructive, manipulative, selfish purposes. Backlashes and attacks on frontline first responders who every day put their their life on the line for peace and justice seemed to become a place and just another TikTok video. And this brought about more anger, more disagreement, more discord, and more division. And it made Satan very happy. I think he's laughing because one of our, one of our spiritual enemy's greatest strategies is to divide the body of Christ. When we work together, we are absolutely Unstoppable. Whenever the church comes together, it is an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. During the 1960s, one of the biggest unstoppable forces for civil rights was the church. And they came together across all lines. Yet when we are divided, we are the weakest, most effective thing on earth. Now me, I don't have the power to change much. But what I do is I have a platform and a mouth and I do have some influence on our church family and anybody in the sound of my voice here today. And so I'm going to make some of the same passionate, faith filled appeals that Paul made to believers in Corinth. This isn't in your bulletin, but I draw your attention to this slide. When he said, I appeal to you, I beg you, I urge, I plead, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought paul is pleading with the church of corinth to get it together and not tear it apart the the thing for divisions is actually the word schisma where we get our term schism from and it is a split a division as I said, a schism, or ripping and tearing apart. And so I want to give you an image of what's going on in our world, in our church today. You have the body of Christ, and you have everything that's going on, and we are simply doing this to the body of Christ. We've been doing it for years, but now it's just all the more out there. We do it off of denominations. We do it off of race. We do it off of sexism. We do it off of everything. And then we say, how come we're not effective? How can the world not see Jesus? And that's what we've done in our world and in our country today. In Micah 6.8, it says, The Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your god now, that seems simple and i remember an old Emmaus song what does the lord require of you to seek justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your god justice kindness and it seems like a good song but to live it out it seems like we are this not what christ has called us to do and so what i am asking i'm asking all of us to help as a church family that we act justly we love mercy we walk humbly and united as one in the body of Christ, so that the world will know that we belong to Jesus. How? By our love. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul described in detail the body of Christ. He said there are many parts but one body. And then he says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I think about this when a couple years ago, and some of you remember that, was when I, I was having a normal Wednesday evening. Melissa happened to be working that night. And during that Wednesday evening, I woke up and I felt like I had a gas pain. You know what I mean? You ever had that in the middle of the night? Like the ones where you're like, I just want to go back to sleep, maybe it'll go away, right? But this one wouldn't go away, and I tried to go to the bathroom, it wouldn't work. And I was just in pain. A certain more, I called Melissa, she said, Take a gas X pill. I, said, I, took, I think I took as many as I could, and I was like, still miserable. And then the next thing I know, in the morning, I'm still feeling bad, and I went to a class to teach it, and I was feeling really bad, really, really, really bad. This was a Wednesday night into Thursday. And I ended up going to the hospital, and I went, and they told me I had a bad gallbladder. For two weeks, I, I couldn't get it out, and I was miserable. And just to let you know, I went home from church one day, and Melissa made um, burgers on the grill with those pretzel rolls, yeah, you can't go wrong there, can you? Yes, you can. If you have a bad gallbladder and you eat that, it is the worst pain ever. And just to let you know, what, like the, a couple of days before I had it out, I was laying in a fetal position, just in so much pain, because that one little gallbladder that I didn't even know what it was or what it did, it was suffering, and guess what happened to the rest of the body? It suffered too. And there are so many around us in our world that are suffering and grieving that are hurting beyond description. And if they are, then we as the body of Christ must hurt also. Paul told us in Romans chapter uh, 12 to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're good at that, aren't we? But mourn with those who mourn. And I think we need, if we're all honest, we need work with that. So I'm asking you to grieve with those who grieve, and then I'm going to ask you to join me in doing more. And I'm going to share what I've been going through and to try to say I, what I want to do. I just want to get it right. Now, here's what, I, here's what I need for you to do. When I say things, I need you not to go into political mode. I need you not to go into where you are in your experience mode. I need you to go into the grace of Jesus mode and, and there's the body of Christ mode and to hear because I've been doing a lot of this lately myself. And so as I read and hear about injustices and suffering in parts of the world, in other parts of the world, it's easy to see it for a moment and dismiss it. Like, for instance, how many of you have seen those Feed the Children commercials at night when you're sitting there eating your bowl of cereal before you go to bed? And you know what? Then then, uh, your game show network comes on and you go right after that, correct? It's easy to dismiss that. It's human nature to kind of do that. When it's far away, it's not happening from me. But when it's here and gets closer, it upsets us and bothers us, but not for long. So, like everyone else, I I heard the name and the horrific situation with George Floyd, begging for mercy, saying I can't breathe, and I'm not going to get into talking about what type of man he was and what he did, whatever, because I didn't know him, but I... Didn't know is if you watch nine minutes of that and you are a human being it does something to you like most of you i didn't have the words or the emotions i was in shock and grief and and yet in my own way i kind of try to find something to like take away my own pain and my own non-understanding of the situation much of the same feelings have occurred in the following destructive events that i've seen where I've seen innocent people lose their lives and their stores of all races and of all all places because there's people who want to go ahead and just destroy. Senseless deaths continue. What I know, though, is when someone unjustly attacks someone I love, I am the first person to speak up and step in, and I will use my power to stop whatever injustice I can if it's done to somebody I love and somebody close to me. Reverend Dr. Charlie Dates, one of the youngest African American pastors of a church, a Baptist church in in Chicago, made this claim. And he said, when he was asked, What is the church to do in times like this? He said, Believers of color want their brothers and sisters to call out injustice around them. They want to stand in unity in rebuking a wayward culture. And he said, Such a cry as, I can't breathe, is not merely anthropological, as many want to say. But it's theological, because the problem is an error in theology. It is a failure to remember where breath comes from, our Lord. So I ask you as my church family and my brothers and sisters in Christ to follow what Micah said and what God desires is to do right, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And when we say justice, some people want to throw a blame on police officers. And I want to tell you right now, this isn't about police officers. This is about us. Every officer that I know are loving people who put their lives on the line day in and day out for justice. Yet we also know that there are bad officers. There's bad teachers. I've met some bad pastors. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. There are, just just I want to remind you something. Judas was one of the 12. All right. And we forget that at times. And we want to we throw it to everybody. So I we have been blessed, and I've been blessed in my life to meet some of the most amazing police officers. So it's not about that. Let's pull that out. We don't have to choose a side. That's not what this is about. It's not about choosing sides, though that's what the world wants us to think. Whole, you can be wholeheartedly against racial in, and other injustices and for honorable police officers. Matter of fact, we should and need to be. We need to pray for those who suffer unjustly, and we need to pray for those who protect us bravely every single day of our lives. I know about, what I do know about most of you, and most in the sound of my voice, you care, and you, like me, maybe don't know what to do. So what I've done is I've gotten advice, I've been soul-searching, I want to share what I can, to believe us, to bring us together a little bit. And I want us all to wrestle with this, because I still am. And the first thing I'm trying to do is, what can bring us together? And the first thing I want to share is, we need to admit that isms are real. We need to believe and know that isms are real. Sexism, classism, anti-Semitism, heterosexism, color and shadism, ageism, and yes, racism and many, many others. I looked. If you want to look up isms, a list of isms, you can be there all day. But just because you haven't seen or experienced one of these isms, and particularly in this case racism, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Because we can't be part of a solution to a problem if we don't acknowledge that the problem exists in the first place. It takes a cultural humility... Because we all have biases and different perspectives. And one of the big pro- biggest problems I've seen in our culture is thinking our experiences are everyone else's. There's another ism called ethnocentrism. That we go ahead and we approach that everybody should look at culture and the world from my understanding. And it's another ism. When you know something is a problem, you discuss it in home and with the people that you care about and with people everywhere I've stood in lines social distance with people and we've talked about masks and COVID and lockdowns and all this stuff I didn't even know them so we know that COVID-19 is a problem right we know that drugs are a problem correct do we know that racism is a problem So we need to help our children and our families and others know that everyone is created in the image of God. We need to grow past the us and them language and get on to us and us and we. And once you admit it's real, we need to call it what it is. It's wrong and it's from the pit of hell. It's evil. And so the first thing we need to do is admit isms are real. The second thing is, we need to, as the church, recognize we have one enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so, what we're saying is, the enemy is not the church down the street, the enemy is not a different version of the Bible. The enemy is not a different style of worship. The enemy is not a person who votes differently from you. The enemy is not a person with a different skin color, a different background, listens to different music, dresses differently, expresses themselves in different ways. They are not the enemy. There is one enemy. He has been the enemy from the beginning of time, he is the devil. He is the prince of darkness. He is Beelzebub. He is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. And boy, is he having a heyday. As we said last week about scarcity, remember John 10.10? The thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at our world. He tries to steal our unity. He's trying to kill our churches. And he's trying to destroy our witness. United, we are unstoppable. Divided, we are weak and ineffective. Think about when you're united. I I coached sports from the youngest all the way up, and I remember T-ball. Anybody ever seen a T-ball game? That is like the most painful, cute thing to watch, right? Because ain't none of them together. Like, you have the one kid, he'll hit the ball and run to third base. No, 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 come back here. One kid's like, no, no. One kid's sitting on his rear end out there taking those little, you know, dandelions, popping them off. You know, you're like, come on, John. You know, it's, we, we get it. But when you get that team, after they play for a while, when they get to about majors, when they get to seniors and they get to high school and they get to travel ball, man, they are cohesive. And you have a team. It's like that in with siblings. Like, like you know, you can mess with them, but don't anybody mess, else mess with my family. Work groups, when you come together, it seems to work. Some of you may have been part of fraternities and sororities. And just because you have a couple Greek letters next to you, you're brothers and sisters and you get along well. We need to unify our church into one enemy. We need to tell the devil, I see what you're doing here, Satan. And it's not going to divide us. And we need to claim it. So we need to look at our one enemy. We also have to have one heart. And before I go into this more so, we need to recognize that unity does not mean uniformity. We can be different. Paul said there is one body but many different parts. We don't have to be alike, we just have to love alike. All believers, look at this in Acts, all believers were one, one in heart and mind. You say, Jack, well how do you become one in heart? I believe you do that by doing three things. And these are some of the things that I've really been wrestling with myself. The first thing is this. Learn. Learn. Over the past several weeks, I have placed myself in conversations, seminars, and programs where, and many of you know, I like to talk. Not going to shock you, but I like to talk but I've placed myself in multiple situations where the main question I've actively been uh, questioning of others is, tell me what I don't know regarding man. Tell me what I don't know. And I want you to make that same commitment. Because when I've approached these topics, racism and Sexism and other kinds of isms and all kinds of other things that divide the church. With what I know, I fail at it because I don't understand it. I don't understand the my, my my journey is not someone else's journey, and I've just been listening. In James, remember we did this series on James early in quarantine. James said, "My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. How many people? Everyone should be quick to listen." Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Um, I've been asking this question tell me what I don't know regarding this, regarding that. And I haven't been doing it mostly on social media because guess what? Everybody wants to talk fast. And I like to talk fast. And I need to not speak. And many times to just listen. We live in a world where we want instant feedback. But honestly, learning doesn't come from instant feedback. It comes from listening. So I need to slow down and I need to learn by listening. And honestly, I got to tell you, in many times when it comes to these situations, my anger has been displaced. It's been placed in the wrong area. And so often what I've been doing and what I've been finding out is the more I hear I realize the more I don't know. And what I found out as well is in the midst of just listening, that, I've, that you may hear some stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Some of the most powerful lights and moments in life have happened to me outside of my comfort zone. Those areas out of my comfort zone have been some of the most powerful. And so that's one of those areas. Matter of fact, I I just want to share with you, um, during one of the seminars, I was able to hear a pastor in our our greater community, an African-American pastor who served and spoke, but he also was a Baltimore City police officer for 22 years. I don't have those experiences, so I sent him an email and just said, tell me what I don't know. I'd love to get together with you. He called me in five minutes. And we talked, and I said, wow, I'm shocked you called me that quick. And he said, I heard your passion. Let's make plans to get together. By me asking a question, I don't know, and just reaching out to somebody, I want to learn. Because my hope is that we don't go through this again. That we don't divide our country anymore. That we don't divide the body of Christ anymore. Then we don't see senseless things happen because of the things, the walls that are in the way. And for some reason, we as the church have them even bigger. We still, in 2020, talk about white and black churches. There's something wrong with that. You can give me the cultural significance, but it comes down to the walls we put up. And I don't think it makes God happy. And so I'm convicted, and I'm reaching out, and I'm hoping to learn to meet my brothers and sisters in a deeper way. The second thing, after learning, we have to lament. Learning is in the head, but feeling is in the heart. I can understand so many things, but until I place it here as well, it's not gonna make a difference. I started thinking about this uh, as it comes to funerals. And funerals I've been to and I've, I've I've led and participated in many funerals over 25 years. And at funerals, I never give an explanation for the death. Many know the reason. Some don't make any sense. I've had young kids that were born premature that died. Um, I've had people who were the epitome of health. They're gone. One of my best friends. I've had all kinds of questions In my life. And I don't know the answer. So when I stand at the funerals. I don't tell people why we're all here. Whether I'm there. Is in a pastor role. Or whether I'm there. In just this interpersonal role. The key thing is I'm just there. Because I care. Because I feel. And because I want to be with them. And I want to do what it says in Galatians chapter 6. What Paul said. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ which is grace he says journey with each other it may not be your burden but as a part of the body of christ you bear with it like when your foot's hurting you ever stubbed your toe you ever stubbed your toe like really good do you just walk on it no what do you do Your heel starts, you start grabbing onto things. The rest of your body bears the burden of what's damaged. And we, as in the body of Christ, need to start bearing the burdens. Even if it's not affecting us, we need to start helping to bear that burden. And so the third thing, the third way we have one heart is this, love. Agape love. Only after we learn and lament can we truly love. You see, trust, forgiveness, repentance, healing, affirmation, and even protection is part of how we build that love. When we say, I got your back, no matter what. What does the scripture say? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's agape, unconditional love. And what does it say toward the end of that? What does love do? It always protects. It always trusts it always hopes, it always perseveres. So how do we love? We love overtly, we love recklessly, we love boldly, we love generously, we love unconditionally, and we love bravely. I'm going to say something here, and some of us are going to go, what the heck? Because I do. There's been a terminology that's been everywhere. And like everything else, Things have been politicized. I don't want you to go to the the history of the nature, the ideology behind it. I don't want to go to anything, but I want to just tell you I've heard and I've seen it everywhere Black Lives Matter. I've seen it. And my immediate reaction, as many other people, is well, all lives matter. Correct? Because they do. We get it. All lives matter. Including the lives that are unborn, and we don't even talk about that, which is affecting the African-American community in millions and millions of people. But we... That's another thing that's coming to light as well. But one of the things I started thinking about, and I had a pastor explain this, because he was asking and he was learning, and he went ahead and shared what he learned. And he said when he heard this, he was like, yeah, all lives matter. Why do we say this? And he said, and I'm going to give you an illustration for my life. I have five children. I have five children. Let's just say, that one of them is hurting. One of them is feeling broken. One of them is feeling shut out. One of them is feeling beaten up and just in severe pain. And they come to me and say, I'm hurt. And I say, that's okay. All my kids are good. What am I going to do at that moment? I'm going to say, I love you. You matter to me. If, you feel, if I have one kid who, who feels like they're worthless, I'm not going to say, well, all my, I believe all my kids are worthless, Because uh, worthwhile. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to believe that. That's unspoken. But at that moment, that child needs me to say, I love you, and I find incredible worth in your life. In my mind, I learned something. I learned that, yes, everybody wants to politicize it and do whatever they want and create, this, create that division between sides. That's what we like to do, right, in our culture today. But it's not about that. It's about some people in the body are hurting. And I need to just say to them, okay, whatever, however you want to say it, I love you. And I will journey with you. And I will be there for you. I will love recklessly and overtly and unconditionally. I need to personalize what I feel. You see, in Proverbs 10, 12, it says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Love covers sin, it disperses anger, it drives out fear, it forgives and it heals. The fifth thing that we need is this. Everybody good? It's one prayer. It's what we do, it's what we continue to do, and it's what we need more of. In other words, we can't do this alone. We can't solve these divisions alone. We need help from heaven. Look at what this says. This is from our Unite 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways don't give Satan any attention. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will hear their land just tell Satan we're at a disco and it's awesome. In John chapter 17, Jesus said this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's you and me, that all of them may be what? One. Father, just as you and me. You are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe, the world may believe that you have sent me. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed for unity then and unity for us now. Paul prayed for unity. We are not in a battle against flesh and blood. We are strongest when our hands are together and we're praying for God to do something. Most of the time we say, and we've said this, well, I wish I could do something, but all I can do in pray is pray. Prayer is not the last, re, last defense, it is the first offense that we need to adapt. We need to pray and pray and pray, and maybe, just maybe, God will be true to his word and heal our land. And our last one is we need to have One purpose. One purpose. Why we exist and we need to get back to it. You used to see this every week when you came in the, the center door since we're now coming in the side ones. But this is why this, what this church stands for. To know. Know God. Gnosko. Remember we talked about that last year? And what's next? You can you look it up in the, our sermon series? Last year, Gnosko. To know intimately God. That's why we exist. To grow in finding freedom in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. To serve, to discover my individual purpose that God has called me to, because I'm a member of the body of Christ, and I have a purpose. And to share by making a difference to all people in the community and larger world. And I really believe God is calling us to really ingrain ourselves in the know, grow, serve, and now it's time for us to share. To learn and to share. To lament and share to love, and to share. In Ephesians chapter 2, it said, God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, in the work that God does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. How's your work going? I believe that we can look at our world because that was the work that he called us to do, and we can see... Where, our, where the church universal has been working. We need to join in the work God does and experience what he is doing. During this time of turmoil, of COVID, of everything, church has been shut down all over the place. We've been closed. We've done some things. And you guys have been very faithful, faithful to God in many different ways. And I, I went I I read an article this week about Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church. And they're in California. And in case you don't know what's going on in California, nothing and everything. And when it comes to churches and other gatherings, it's completely shut down. And this was a, a little while ago. And he wrote, in just 10 weeks since the lockdown began in California... Saddleback opened 187 new pop-up food distribution centers, while 123 food pantries closed due to COVID-19. We normally uh, normally feed 2,000 out-of-work families each month through our three permanent peace centers. But this last month, we moved into high gear, feeding more than, ready for this number? 30,000 families representing 120,000 people. That's a loving church in action. In 10 weeks, you personally have led 2,800 people to Christ through one-on-one witnessing while you were doing acts of service to people in need. That's a loving church in action. Over 3,000 new small groups have been started during the pandemic and added to our existing network of 6,010 small groups. That's a loving church in action. Because you love your neighbors and coworkers, you invite them to watch online. The result of your care for others during covid nineteen is that attendance has more than doubled in the past ten weeks between uh, 2,800 led to Christ through your one-on-one witnessing. And you ready for this number? 3,451 accepting Christ through your inviting people to watch online. That's 6,251 new believers brought into the family in just 10 weeks. That's a loving church in action. We innovated a way to do safe immersion baptisms by appointment while maintaining social distancing. And he wrote at this time, last night I baptized 48 new believers, which puts us over 1,000 baptized since the pandemic began. That's a loving church. How do you do baptisms in a COVID-19? You know what they do? They have them stand in little boxes. And then when it's, they have the baptistry, when it's time to come, he's standing on the outside. They get in, they dunk themselves and pastors have asked him, how do you do that? He said, it says nowhere in the Bible that I got to dunk them. They just go, here we go, back down themselves. 1,000. 1,000 baptized when the doors to the, sh- to the church are shut. Almost th- 36,000 older and vulnerable people sheltered at home have been contacted personally by 2,000 of you who volunteered as care callers and care writers during that, this pandemic. That is... It's a loving church in action. You see, as Jesus said, on you I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will never overcome it. Oh, they're trying. Oh, the gates of hell are trying. You see, why? why are they able to do that? Why are we able to still provide ministries in Haiti? Why are we able to still do Paris Foundation? Why are we able to still do all the other ministries that we do here? Because you said the gates of hell are not going to overcome this ministry, and we have not forgotten our purpose. But boy, do we need to get totally focused back on our purposes. And the purpose is so that people can know God, grow serve, and share him into the larger world. That's our purpose. We need to get it right. And part of me has a new fire and a new hope, even with my struggles that I've been dealing with. And Romans 15, it says "As May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, accept one another. And then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. The Greek word is a very long and graphic word, and it simply means this. Open your arms and take that person to yourself. Taking someone by the hand, I know we social distance, do it from six feet away. Grab a pole, I don't care, do whatever you need to do. Take someone by the hand, walking together as companions. So how do we accept those that are different than us? As Jesus accepted us while we were yet sinners. Where does it start? It starts with me, and it starts with you. And when we come together, we become undivided. We admit racism and other isms are real. We recognize that and make a recommitment to going after our one enemy. We need to have one heart. We need to commit to one prayer. And we need to get back and get more focused on our one purpose. The world is sick and tired of hearing Jesus talk. They want to see him. Let's stop talking and let's start loving. Let's grow up. Let's get over our differences. Let's you become united and undivided. We have an enemy. He is Satan. And we have a mission to unleash the love of Jesus Christ in this world. And then the prophet Isaiah, what he said comes even more true. Every valley shall be exalted. Those that are low will be lifted up. And those that think they're so great. And every mountain brought low. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the rough places of COVID, and racism, sexism, and all the other isms I mentioned, will be made smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh, no matter what color it is, is, will see it together. Together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I have something in this box. I want to tell you a story. That I think just kind of wraps this up. August 13th, 1961. The communist government of the German Democratic Republic, known as East Germany, began to build a concrete barbed wire wall between East and West Berlin. It stood there for years and years as a symbol of division. There were brothers and sisters and family members who were separated by that wall and could not go from one point to the other. Many tried and many were killed um, by guards and other people that were there. Until November 9th, 1989, the Chancellor of East Germany declared that communism was illegal and that pulled the border border guards away from that. And a bunch of young people went over to that wall and were climbing on it and were sitting there and they began to take out little hammers this massive wall was here, and they began to take hammers and pickaxes and they began to chop into that wall and they began to hit at it till they had thousands upon thousands of people just tearing it down and you remember the great quote by President Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev teared down this wall, you know what it didn't take Mr. Gorbachev it was young people committed to saying I'm going to grab my pickaxe and I'm going to hit right here, and right here There's a lady who went to Germany and brought me back a piece of this wall. I've forgotten about it until she brought this back to me in April 1999, almost 10 years to the day that somebody went ahead. And I thought, wow, I'd love to have a big piece of that. Wouldn't it be great? But I like this little piece because this little piece of the Berlin Wall reminds me that somebody started where they were. And they can't solve all the problems of the whole wall, but they went ahead and started an attack right where they were. And they made a hole. And before you knew it, it became an open spot to tear it on the wall. I can't tear down the full wall of racism. I can't tell, tear down on the wall of every ism in my life, but I can start where I am, and I can hit it with a hammer. And I can chisel away at it in my life. And I cannot get caught up in what's around me and the culture and what I know, but I can listen, I can learn, I can lament, and I can love, and I can go ahead. And before you know it, the walls will come down. Why? Because we have a Savior. And we have a God who loves to tear walls down. Ask Joshua and Jericho. We need the walls down so that we can be one. Because I truly, truly believe that if we do right, We act justly, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with God. The love of Jesus will overcome hatred, prejudice, racism, and division. The power of Jesus will break the chains of addiction in all kind of areas. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit will heal all broken relationships in his name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Michelle, will you lead us in a in a prayer before we start this? I, I just want you to pray.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. That's so evident here today we thank you for this reminder lord jesus that we just can come together and that lord jesus it's just it's about unity in you and that we once we offer our praise to you we thank you lord because we know you always make a way even if we don't see it if we don't feel it you're with us we just want to take that with us today we thank you for the thank you for these words from pastor jack we love you jesus praise your name
1: She prayed too too quickly. This I did. That's all right, Michelle. Always says
0: I pray all all the time.
1: (laughs) Except for then. All right. (laughs) Um, You know it's okay to have a sense of humor, right? Yes. This was going to be one of our our starting songs this week, and when we were practicing, I said um, this would be perfect for the end. Seems like all these things we talk about and we think about are too massive. We have a waymaker. Amen. Yes, we do. All right. Thank you, so we're just going to worship him in the waymaker. Let's sing this. let's sing and worship this song.
0: here, mending every heart. I worship You. I worship You. You are great Maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. worker, the promise keeper, right in the darkness. My God, that is who He is. Thank you
1: amen Jesus right you, boy if we believe that amen. it'll change everything right amen I know you got a mask on you nod yeah. you know it's all right so um real uh, real quick I know I know today uh, today's heavy right it's heavy because so much um but that's why we 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 come together as the body of Christ because we can help each other um and so I need some joy in my life Right? So our next series, we're going to start as a series on Philippians, and it's called I Choose Joy. Amen. Okay, and so we are going to choose joy because we can choose a lot of other things. Um, and I'm tired of choosing. And I don't know about you. I'm tired. It's not doing me any good. So we are going to choose joy for the next couple weeks. And, hey, get your hammers out and just make a difference in your life. Okay? God bless. Love you all. Um, later. <laughs>